episode number 228 with Mike Pearson. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. This is Mike Snyderman. How the hell are you, Mikey? I'm fine. <laughs> Was I unconvincing there? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just woke up like 10 minutes ago. So this was this is old school for me. Waking up real late. Right on, right on. I didn't even I didn't play, you know, play a little poker online. Didn't even stay up, you know, super late, but um, Yeah, okay. Somehow, I guess I must have needed the sleep. I hope that doesn't mean I'm sick. Although right now, I'm a little congested, Steve. I'm I'm slightly concerned myself as well. I woke up this morning. We slept all night at work last night, uh, which hasn't happened in months, so it was amazing. But I still woke up, and I'm like, I feel a little, yeah, like you said, congested. Uh, I don't know if it's in my head or, you know, there's all these but, new things going on at work. They're making us take our temperature twice a day, and everyone's wearing masks out and it uh yeah might be might be psychoschematic i'm not sure right um yeah so i don't, <laughs> my uh had my still just camped out here man yeah yeah eating getting fat i mean it's just emotionally eating all day long i know it's tough huh i, I mean i well i mean i just got so much crap in the fridge you know what i mean so that was I said I was going to eat healthy, but hey, let's have this stuff around for my son, which of course was bullshit excuse for just for me to fucking have pop tarts. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No yeah. way I'm going. Uh, you know, plant only, no sugar, none of this. With all, well, the fucking pop tarts in the house. So you know, <laughs> that went out the window. <laughs> I'd like oh. to thank the pop tart people for breaking my will early, and now just yeah, a license to do what the fuck I want. <laughs> Well, we got uh, we got Mike Pearson this week, uh, returning guest. Uh, just a uh, the the way I think of him is he's just like a savant with uh, anything with patterns and numbers. I mean, the guy is just a wizard at uh, poker. Um, you've seen him play chess, just like I have. It's uh, uh, just a real, real smart guy. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to play chess, but I assume the fact that he's playing other smart people where he only got three minutes and they got 20 or whoever, you know, the time advantage thing where they try to level it out. Yes. And he'll game, play yes. two games at the same time against two different people. These it's impressive. People. These yeah. smart people are weird, are weird, Steve. Yeah. I feel like this guy's probably forgotten more about uh, poker than you and I have ever known that uh, I'm excited. Not to have there are up. some people who I thought, you know, it's it's kind of unfortunate that poker is so kind of fun and attractive because it's taken some people who could be useful, yeah, out of the world. If you know what I mean, like people have dropped out of medical school and gone to become a professional poker player. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, we still have a lot more good. <laughs> you missed like the calling. If, if you were to if you were to quit, Steve, um, you know, millions of lives would be at stake. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. No, the, see, the non-essential people are still. We, we maybe we have just a little bit of hostility towards the essential people that are out there dancing and prancing and doing whatever the hell they want. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, he um, he recently got a score at uh, uh, Lake Tahoe. 
he picked up the uh, main on the circuit there. That's pretty cool. He did. Um, yeah, hundred and thirty something k. Okay, I didn't. I I've yet to do my research here. I gotta look that up. He he won the um. This was just recently. He had a hundred. Yeah, like yeah. in November. I think I was gonna go up, and I don't remember why I didn't. I uh, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but uh, but I never made it up to Tahoe uh, last year, and fucking Mr. Pearson won the uh, won the main. Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, killed it, killed it. Yeah. So how's your how's your family doing? Brother, good. everybody during all this all this nonsense. Yeah, I was supposed to go out and see him uh, last week. Uh, that of course didn't happen with the whole COVID thing. Um, my brothers, uh, him, him and his wife just got uh, furloughed, um, so they're kind of on a forced vacation. But um, they're pretty set up financially, so they're looking at. It. He's basically uh, uh, she's playing Farmville, and he's playing uh, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, Civilization, that computer game. I don't know if okay yeah and so they're doing good they're just locked up on their video games um that's actually the, believe it or not steve that's being more productive than i am <laughs> i mean but i mean there's times i have i could say i'm watching movies with playing video games but i'm not actually watching them there's just sound and images bouncing around while i'm just you know the mental activity is not even doing anything either i'm just trying to yeah <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it steve Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, when some people when some people are on like a real life break, I I've I've got that now, you know, down pretty good. Yeah, I, I've noticed I've kind of been a slug too, especially because in California here it's just been raining every day. And uh you know how they give you those uh your weekly update, your weekly screen time on your phone? Uh yeah. the other oh. day I saw that and it was like three hours, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Well, are you, I mean, I averaged probably like, I think mine was ridiculous. Um, it was like 10 hours a day. I was playing a lot of poker on my, my phone. And, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. Some, well, sometimes at the casino, of course, I'm listening to music for a few hours. Some guys do, do it the whole time. I usually don't. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's an interesting question, then. Steve, quickly. Yeah. Um, I was right, reading, I think it was, I was reading that 60% of people, who are in quarantine right now are doing something uh, in the realm to you would describe as self-improvement. Interesting. Now. So if you were just in total lockdown, what would that look like to you here? What would you, would you probably just be studying the financial markets and thinking of ways to make money? I'm guessing, or is there any other little uh, learn a foreign language? I don't know. You've done a little of that as well, Steve. I don't know. Was there anything on the list for you? Uh, for me, if I was in, I thought I was going to be in quarantine for a little bit. Cause uh, one of the guys I work with came down with textbook flu, like symptoms, difficulty breathing. I mean, all the signs. And uh, so I was technically in quarantine for three days and um until his results came back. And when they came back negative, then I had to go back to work. <laughs> so, right. uh, but uh, yeah, for me, that's pretty much exactly what it looked like. I was just playing cards online and I was um, studying the uh, market. It's, it started to make a uh, turn back up. I've invested about half to maybe three fifths of my role that I've been planning on buying when the market uh, crashes like this. Um, so I was doing that. I bought some stocks, um, just dumping more into the S&P 500. You know, the, times like this in the market only happen probably, if you're lucky, eight times in your lifetime. And uh, I've already seen three 
come and go and didn't even know that they happened. And this is my fourth right now. So I'm trying to capitalize on this opportunity. Um, but uh, right. I think I got some good ones. It, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. All the ones that I bought in the last two weeks, I've uh, got about 12 of them and 10 of them are up significantly. Uh, so um, I'm excited. Um, but <laughs> funny because I want to talk some politics with Mike, who, as you know, is pretty radical socialist. Yes. You know, yes. so if you said, use the word capitalize on this crisis, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he would be. Yeah, I, I could really use this interview just to like just send him just as a howling dog in your way, Steve. I think <laughs> I don't have that that mentality. I just see dollar signs at times like this. You know, everything's on sale. But, uh, it's right. It's Not only, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, I noticed talking to Jason Froelich, and he's uh, he wants to use this. He's got some money saved by a house one day, and this would obviously probably you know be the time for that. Yeah. I don't know when real estate will hit the rock bottom, or if it would. I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, let's uh, let's bring in Mike. Sure. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and Mike Pearson. Mike Pearson, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. You've uh, you've been a busy little bee lately. Uh, <laughs> it might be because I'm high, Steve, but just thinking have of you? describing this man as a have busy I? little bee. So. <laughs> uh, your uh, your main event I'm talking about in uh, Tahoe. Oh, um, yeah. I I won it. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. I don't know if I deserve it, but thanks. Well, you look damn good in the picture there. Okay. If you're, uh, I didn't look at the photo. Was he smiling? He was actually. This yeah. Guy's not, this in these in these dark times right now. If he if he won it yesterday, I don't think he'd be smiling as much. I, I I try to be. I try to avoid being photographed in general. But you know, there comes a point where you know in the tournament where you can't. Right there, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you win the damn thing. You're getting your photo. <laughs> I hope you're not offended, Mike. I told Steve we we're talking about things going on in the world, and when when everything's going to shit, I said, "Well, let's change the temperature of the show here." And you were the first person I thought of, so I don't know. Yeah, um, no, I'm actually flattered that you know when uh, when everything's going to shit, that I'm the guy you want to talk to about it. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to my world. I mean Steve is Steve's not a pandemic kind of guy here. He's, everything is everything's roses. He's not worried. Technology and capitalism will save us. I have never seen Steve not smiling. <laughs> right. Like even when he was talking, even when he was talking about like serious problems he was having in his life, it was just like, yeah. So I can I can see what you're saying. He's you know, it's a, a good quality to have. Right. <laughs> just turn that frown upside down. You know. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, I want to get right in. So what what are you doing right now, Mike? Are you in uh, Are you in Nevada? Or are you in San Fran right now? I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Uh, my apartment. I'm. Uh, what am I doing right now? I'm. I don't know. Wearing a sweater, drinking tea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to you guys. I I I guess I meant. Are you uh, pretty much nursing a hangover? Or nursing a hangover? Okay. Good deal. You're in good company. San Fran was one of the uh, the first city, the first places to put in some prick, strict, strict 
quarantine orders in this country, right? Are you, are you kind of happy with how the people of um, your, 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 your local government handle it, least least better than the national government? Yes and no. Uh, so yeah, uh, San Francisco and New York had their first confirmed case on the same day. Um, and you can look at how different, uh, how differently it's uh, spread since then. Um, now, New York has the obvious disadvantage of being so dense, um, yep. the most, the densest major city in the country. But San Francisco is actually the second densest major city in the country. Um, okay. So the the difference. Uh, is pretty dramatic and um you know it's hard to say because like by the time there's one confirmed case how many actual cases are there um we don't know um yeah so uh yeah um i i am not a big fan of our mayor for a number of reasons but i i do appreciate that she took it seriously and took strong measures early um even if i don't agree with exactly which measures um so yeah uh because because the shelter in place um there's been different phrasings of it as time has gone on right it was uh like it was uh, you know at, at times it's been considered kind of an advisory and then they were calling it a lockdown and then they're saying a shelter in place order um but I haven't personally seen like enforcement of this, but I have heard stories of, um, I've heard really draconian stories as, as like, you know, two friends are walking down the street and cops might give them a ticket for not standing six feet apart from each other. <laughs> right. Um, which is like, that to me is pretty ridiculous. Like I, I, I do want people to, you know, use good, social distancing practices but at, at some point i think you know um any attempt is way better than uh no attempt and it doesn't have to be you know a hundred percent strict you know um i guess i would say like unless you're experiencing symptoms i would think but um i kind of look at it, this this is also could be like a dry run for the next virus crisis might be something that can strike down children and people of you know young people healthy people um Is that yeah. a there's something to that and i'm i'm worried about like the authoritarian precedent sent uh set um which right. is why like i'm a big fan of advisories and i'm not a big fan of um i'm not, i'm not a big fan of police enforcement um you know uh but um yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm also worried that it's kind of setting the stage for, um, you know, just further concentration of wealth and power in fewer and fewer hands. Um, I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with the shock doctrine. I yeah. probably talk about it way more than I should. I think we talked about it last time. I, and, I thought um, we might have. And you actually bought me, the, or I bought the book, but you, you're, you encouraged me to do so. So, yeah. Yeah, um, and um, the the premise being that basically disasters are typically used. You know, take the example of nine eleven, take the example of Hurricane Katrina, or um, wars around the world, or other uh, epidemics. Um, are they're used um, to basically 
uh, I mean, like, like I said, just to concentrate wealth and power in fewer and fewer hands. Um, you know, for instance, uh, when, you know, when, when people are desperate, they'll sell whatever assets they have to like get by. Right. So yeah. speculators can, you know, pick everything up and, you know, just start owning everything. Um, it's a big, uh, it's a big wealth grab. Um, so I'm worried about this being used in that way. And there's definitely a little bit of that going on. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is it kind of, I would think this is might be a crisis too, where it could kind of swing in the other way. I have, uh, Mike here is kind of a socialist. I don't think you'd run it. I have another friend. I don't know if he's a socialist, but he just kind of hates the blames most problems that happen, of course, on rich people. Uh, I mean, and he, he, he says he, he wants this to get as bad as it can be before without kind of collapse, like economically, you know, like it, that would lead. That's the only thing that will lead, lead to real change in this country, like 30 percent unemployment where people look real critically at the system. Um, so that's a position often called accelerationism or uh, okay. the things have to get as bad as possible. The contradictions of our society have to be heightened um, to reveal the unsustainability of it, to create the conditions for, uh, you know, I guess revolution is what people are going for with that. Um, the problem is that also kind of uh, tends to descend into fascism and power grabbing and, you know, a power vacuum where, you know, whoever has the most guns is just going to step up and say, you have to follow my orders. Um, it definitely leads to potential for change, but that change is not necessarily good. Um, and it's also such an uncertain, like, um, like if step one is people suffering as much as possible and step two is something good comes out of it, like step two better be pretty damn certain for you to actually want that to happen. Right. Yeah. I don't think he was talking about ratcheting up the death levels. It was more just like, yeah, a protracted sense of just incompetence from the, and the inability of like the rich to provide for everyone kind of questioning the, you know, right. The well, present corporatist uh, view I guess. Um, what was I going <clears throat> to So, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted Mike here is because I'm, I'm following on his kind of social media here, what he does have on there about all this crisis, and it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. But sorry, I cut you off there. No, well, um, I, I, I almost feel like I might be talking too much uh, if you have more no. questions or anything. But um, I had a couple points there. Uh, one is uh, when you said there was the potential for uh, – I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but you said, so when I'm the, there's going to be uh, pe people are looking, we're going to, when this ends, people are going to be thinking about looking at things critically. Maybe they didn't before. Like some of it might be, you know, reactionary. Why the hell now we really, why can't we close our borders? Why can't we, why are we even deal, doing business with China? And some of it might be, I guess, um, which more, progressive socialist it's like jesus this is just this whole capitalist system is fucked like you know people who are mildly leftists are now going to be like what the fuck you know yeah that that is definitely a possibility and when i was talking about the shock doctrine and the concentration of power and wealth um that's basically what the ruling class does um now what the people in general do is um you know can can be a number of things and there can definitely be 
um, you know, building of solidarity or uh, changing of outlooks or whatever. But the question is whether they actually like achieve the amount of power necessary to take on the, the wealth grabs that are going on, right? Like if you achieve a sort of, um, I, you know, uh, if you achieve a, so, a sort of like general uh, perspective shift, but suddenly, you know, uh, you know, suddenly 10 people own your entire city. Um, right. That perspective shift, that solidarity has to, has to become pretty strong to overcome uh, those factors. So, uh, I think I've read one comment that just like there's, you know, there's no atheists in foxholes and there's no capitalists in pandemics. Well, I guess there are only capitalists. a capitalist would say that. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that was a lie, I guess you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Has it, maybe, you know, I was thinking about this here. I like this idea to immediately like send people stimulus checks and all this is this, this is just the, the end result of this is just the corporation's going to be putting us all in greater debt. We're going to have to be working harder for less. Is that? I mean, I think it's just not enough money is the, the right. problem. Um, but it is, I don't know if it's an advance in economic theory. I was talking to my one buddy who's, you know, loves the economic shit, but he's just, you know, the great depression, the theory was we just can't, you just can't keep printing money. It's irresponsible. Where here it's like, okay, the national debt doesn't matter. We need to flood the market with as much capital as possible. Um, is that? That was going to be my question. Like, what do you think of the bailout? Like, is this? I think anything that. I think the bailout. They're just printing money, essentially, right? Yeah. Well, um, the, uh, if you're familiar with modern monetary theory, that's sort of how money comes into existence. It tends to just be spent into existence right? Okay. The Fed just issues money for a specific thing, right? Um, and then there's more money in, um, you know, in, in, the, the, in, the system. in the system. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think a bailout of this in, in this time is like extremely necessary. It's just that it doesn't go far enough in this case. Um, hmm. Well, $1,200 per person is not enough, you know? Um, that's less than a lot of people's rent. You know, that's less than most people's rent in San Francisco, right? And if your income has yeah. become zero, what are you supposed to do in that situation? Um, and but it is, the, it, is the, it is probably the, uh, that's probably about exactly the paycheck for the, all the people who are fucked over in the retail world. You know what I mean? So it's not. Depends where you live. In San Francisco, minimum wage is 15 an hour. So right, if, okay. if you're working 160 oh, hours a week, then, or sorry, 160 hours a month, then that uh, 15 is, you know, 2,400 a month. Um, you know, I guess taxes taken out and whatnot. But um, well, my main problem is so much of the bailout, like first the, the loans to the banks to prop up the stock market or, or buying the treasury notes. And then all the packages like bailing out uh, the airline industry, the cruise ship industry, which, right, you know, we can live without cruise ships as a society. We don't need them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can't be the priority right now. Um, and I, I, I don't even remember 
I think the numbers now come to something like $4.2 trillion that maybe it's 3.7 trillion, three to 4 trillion that um, the government has just found available to, uh, you know, to, for different bailouts and stimuli in, in this situation. And that could have just been give every man, woman and child in America 6,000 bucks, right? Is that the absolute yeah, yeah. best solution? I don't know, but, um, or actually it could have probably could have been more now. Maybe you only give it to the adults and maybe it's, you know, 10,000 per person or, um, or even. Well, here, I guess this was my point. Not that this will be, I'm, uh, of course I was, we had, we talked a little bit about it. I was a big fan of Andrew Yang. I was one of the first people on board yeah. and sent him money. Could universal, if universal basic income came out of this, because this guy to me on that makes more sense than ever. He was already arguing all these shopping malls and all these people are fucked anyways. And now we're just seeing, you know, that, that's my thing. There's a lot of people now who are using Amazon and never used it before. Like, oh, good that's going to accelerate the, the, all those jobs going. But I, I mean, if that leads to that discussion, uh, I mean, when you say like the, the rich are going to try to get more, which is always true, but here, if they if we put the hundred richest guys together, and let's just say their only goal was to, you know, I think they would be more like, how do we hold on to our money? Yeah, well, rather than profit from this, you know what I mean? How do we keep everybody who's getting fucked, or the twenty five percent, from just just demanding we we take everything? You know what I mean? Sure, but I mean hoarding on like, I I uh, misspoke with the word hoarding, but that's that's kind of um gets the point like holding on to expecting to hold on to what you have while everyone else loses everything is right. just as greedy right. an act like especially right. holding yeah, on yeah, to yeah. extreme surplus you know right and things are just fucking offensive like um like jeff bezos advocating for people to donate to a fund for amazon and whole foods workers it's like you have the money just just put right. the money up yourself um yeah. I, I mean and that's a lot of the whole celebrity charity thing is like instead of raising the money like if you believe in this you just you should just give the money right um especially it you know it, cases like jeff bezos is like he shouldn't have that much money in the first place um yeah uh it's, it's interesting you put <laughs> i saw a little message you sent out about hoarding I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny, what, right after it, I'm like, I, I wish there were guys like you at Costco pushing it, <laughs> grabbing the, the, yeah, grabbing the toilet paper out of the, out of the shopping carts that people have 300 rolls. Yeah. Well, I did make a Costco <laughs> trip if that, if that helps, but. Did you give, did you give the business to anybody? Um, no, I no, uh, just, kept to myself. Just got your shit and got out of there. As much as possible. And yeah, I got in and out <laughs> as fast as possible. Well, you're never one to hold back his opinion. So I, I was hoping there would at least be a, you know, <laughs> some kind of confrontation who, while he's standing in line. Yeah. <laughs> somebody who caught the wrath. I, I hold I mean? back my opinion surprisingly often, actually. <laughs> well, comparatively, yes, to, uh, to the other people, you know. Uh, now, here's a question I want to ask you, of course. Question for every Bernie supporter. Oh, I, I don't think, think you know I, what it's Sorry, I don't think I really uh, even addressed what you were talking about, about basic income there. Okay, sorry. Yeah. You want to, uh, well. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I want to get in on this political stuff. All know. right. Yeah, all of it. This is all this is all chalk. This is all the fingers across the chalkboard for Steve. But this is, <laughs> is it? Yeah, well, fuck him. I don't I, I you know, we can we can ignore his hearing about his trips to Thailand. But he's laughing know. anyway. I mean, he's so oh, like God. even while he's being tortured, he's happy about it. <laughs> weren't you weren't I don't remember. Were you there? I don't think you were. I remember the morning that Steve found out his ex, not to bring it, but Steve, you'll, you'll even find this amusing. That okay. His ex-wife had, had robbed like 24,000 from him, just emptied their, their account and put it to her own bank and pretty much announced the divorce. And yeah, no, Steve was shattered. So anyways, it was, of course, it, you were out of it in like eight minutes. Okay, <laughs> time to move on. <laughs> but it was, well, it was, that ship has sailed. What's next? It, 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 was, a, it, was, it was briefly, you were, you were, you were Totally human. I, I mean, I remember you going through the divorce while uh, during that one summer during the WSOP. We were at the house, yeah. I don't remember all the details of, and you know, when you found out what, but, um, but that that's actually what I was referring to. That you were surprisingly good natured. I mean, I didn't, I didn't right. know if I should I, bring I up the situation on air, but. <laughs> so for um. You know, the bourgeois like me with clean streets, but recognize like the, the crisis we're heading to isn't, you know, universal basic income seems to me a, I don't know, solution is too strong a word, but I think it would be a remarkable good piece of public policy. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I thought uh, Andrew Yang, at least like, um, I disagreed with things on him, uh, with him on things, but uh I thought he at least brought something to the table um, and basic income is, you know, a, a big one. Um, I disagreed with his ways of doing it, but I thought the concept of basic income is uh, pretty much necessary at this point. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that everyone should have the, you know, basic needs for survival, right. whether or not they do any work, whether or not they, contribute anything like just you know um well just the fight like a lot of the yang supporters were um you know white guys with ties you know what i mean yeah it kind of had this you know I, I think it's like just the fact it's coming from like a guy who's who's a i mean he's not he's not of course saying the whole capitalist system is just unsustainable he's not using he's thinking this is a response to no i mean he's technology yeah um, and, and that that kind of nerdy wonk tech bro uh, image might have been well. I found that, that it just, a little off putting. I'm not sure I'm not right. the only one. I'm sure I was. Yeah, I imagine if if you were at a um, Pete Buttigieg fundraiser, yeah, you would be out of place there a little bit, maybe. Um, yeah, Same I mean, of techno, I, tech, the technocrats. I, I talking would about only be little, there for the purposes of disrupting it. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. That was great. When um, I th I'm trying to remember the last time uh, we were together, Mike. I think it was for last year's WSOP. Sounds right. Um, Likely. Yeah, and you, you were you were talking about the uh, the desert uh, place that I can't remember if you said you just bought it or if you were about to buy it, but uh, no, that, you have it now. That was two years ago. Oh, that was two years ago. Yeah. Jesus, time flies. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah I bought it. Um, I could show you a picture of what's out there. I spent like 12 days out there or, okay. I guess it was like a two week trip. Um, okay. Yeah. And that was kind of right after, 
the quote lockdown had been declared here. Yeah. Um, and I figured it was like, okay, I've been keeping to myself. Uh, if I want to get out, now's the time to do it. Um, I've been meaning to make a trip out there for a while, but had, you know, certain, certain difficulties, just, um, yeah, things I was trying to do were kind of put on hold. Um, and a friend, uh, and, and this is also part of the, the logic is like, I'm like, okay, my friends are probably out of work right now. So I had a friend that wanted to come with me. Um, and yeah, uh, it felt like a very safe to, place to be as long as I wasn't the asshole bringing the virus out there, which was my main <laughs> yeah. concern. I just, um, but you know, I, how much la- did you just get land? I can't remember. Was there a house on it or just empty land? Nothing. Really? Nothing. So you're out there camping or what? Yeah. We got some trailers. Uh, we have a shipping container for supplies of, um, it's, I mean, livable. It's the perfect environment to, uh, to withstand, uh, COVID. Yeah. It's far away from any people. Um, and you know, it's kind of rough living. It was like dirty and dusty and windy and cold. Um, but you know, there's plenty of food, there's shelter. Um, now, now this, uh, Steve, you might want to cover your, your ears. This was not an investment property. I, didn't <laughs> <really>. you know, <laughs> I believe you had, you had some kind of uh, civic minded ambitions for this. Is that fair to say? And I don't know if you want to talk about what your plans for the land are. Um, or is that altruistic? Too- is that too too complicated to discuss? Well, it kind of is too complicated. I'm trying to find a way to like simpli- not simplify a- without being wrong. Um, uh, so I, I, I kind of view it as a partnership with a with a friend of mine um, who does want to run a business out of it. Um, okay. But I kind of wanted just to uh, create. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of more interested in creating something of a commune and the experiment like a little utopia a little utopia a little oasis in the desert um yeah and you got quite a bit of land right i mean it's acres yeah isn't it? 44 yeah steve is i think uh oasis in the desert is code word for him and his buddies for like stockpiling weapons um <laughs> we probably don't want to get into it any deeper than yeah, this i guess i don't want to say stockpiling um but you know um so i kind of uh, there and it's kind of uh an experiment for me of, um, you know, creating something out of nothing, like an oasis in the desert. Like if I can find a way to make this sustainable, then it would make, you know, it could serve as a model for other, you know, harsh climates. Um, That's pretty cool. Going on. And uh, I was also uh, doing some research on the concept of uh, greening the desert and restoring gra- uh, landscapes and grasslands. Um, I was just going to ask that if that's uh, yeah, actually, essentially yeah. terraforming, but in a, in a smaller scale. Yeah. And it's, Earth. it's funny. I read the Martian not too long before getting this property and that might've, uh, you know, might've kind of increased my, planted an- the seed. Yeah. It might've right. increased my ambition a little bit. It's like, Oh, well, if this guy can do it on Mars, then I can make it happen. <laughs> yeah. well, With bags of poop that I could do it in the desert. Right. It's like, <laughs> That's not exactly how it works. You know, this guy was a genius with billions of dollars of NASA equipment and also fictional, you know, but yeah. <laughs> and also the fact that it didn't happen. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, some, some progress is being made and definitely um, the rate of progress is sometimes um, 
sometimes. Well, that that could be um, frustrating. Beachside property in twenty years, there, Mike. <laughs> and you just all you got to do is just go out and walk in the ocean, land a plenty. Uh, yeah, not happening there. Um, what's 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 your plan for uh, water? Is it is it drillable? I mean, can you get a well? Do you got to go down a thousand feet? Like what? Uh, it is theoretically. It, it is possible, um, but there's kind okay. of a lot of unknowns as to how far you have to dig and. Um, you know, whether you're trying to get the seasonal water table or the permanent water table, um, there's a lot of uncertainty and it's expensive. So, yeah. And it's more expensive yeah. the deeper you have to dig, which you don't know how deep you have to dig. Sure, have, so. have you had a water witcher out there? I haven't. I had an interesting experience with one of those guys. Uh, I was a kid and uh, my folks, <clears throat> they got a place up in Idaho and uh, my dad basically built it from scratch. He got five acres and um, uh, one of the first steps was to get power and water. And uh, we went out with a witcher out there. He had a willow stick from a willow tree. It's shaped into kind of like a Y and you use both hands and you hold the, the two part of the Y so the one end sticks out straight in front of you. And he would walk around and <clears throat> the willow stick, I'll, I'll be damned, I saw it with my own eyes, would point down. And then he would kind of step off to the side uh, of where it had pointed down and step back and forth over that same area. And the willow stick would go down each time. When it stopped going down, he added up how many times um, the willow stick went down and multiplied by whatever number, seven or something. And that's how many feet down water was. Wow. And what was interesting about it is I think it's a, it's a, a skill that someone either is born with or not because like I tried it in the exact same spots, didn't work. My dad tried it in the exact same spots, didn't work. And then he held my hand, put one of his hands on the willow stick and my hand on the other and the fucking thing worked. And I've seen other people do the same thing with um, welding rods. They just get two welding rods and they hold them straight out. And when the things cross in the middle, I don't know if there's some kind of magnetic field or something that happens with water deep underground, but uh, that also works as well. And he said that we were going to hit water at, I believe it was 283 feet and then 420. And when we hit 283 feet, there was a little bit of water. It was a few gallons a minute, but it was nothing to sustain a family. And then when we got down to 420 feet, it was about 15 gallons a minute. It was like, and he did all that with a piece of wood. Were your parents, <laughs> were, were you parents around Steve when you're playing with some man's willow stick? <laughs> He's holding your hand. I'm, I'm confused here. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, um, I had heard about the idea of witching a well, but I didn't understand the process. That's, that's pretty interesting. I don't understand it, but I've seen it work. And that guy was spot on. It was amazing. And you know, there might be something to it though, because when he, when we hit 283 feet and just got a little bit of water, there was a bunch of this like green mineral that kept coming up. And then when he kept drilling down, cause that wasn't enough. Uh, when we hit it at 420, that green mineral came up again and there was water. So maybe there's something between the welding rods and the willow stick about hitting that green minimal mineral. I don't know what it is. Feldspar. Who knows? All of um, I don't know. I'm, and it could be. I don't think um, I don't think feldspar really tends to be green. Is it more black or we're getting in the weeds here? Yeah, but I don't even anyhow, know. it uh, yeah, it it would be interesting to uh, take a water witcher on your place, especially since you got so much land, and and see what uh, 
see what he finds. Just promise me, Steve, if you go into the life of porn, mm-hmm. your name, Feldspar Willowstick. We have it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I have to make jokes. You guys are having a serious conversation here. I'll stop <laughs> no, when you say sustainability, what does that mean? Like, you're not going to have like lush, a lush garden or anything out there, right? Or Well, so um, I, I guess it's kind of the... I, I think of it as like permaculture prepping. Um, and lush garden, no, not really. But restoring grasslands. And actually, we haven't talked about climate change at all. Um, that I, There was an opportunity to segue to it earlier. But um, restoring grasslands with um, you know rotational grazing by animals is one of the biggest uh, climate solutions that exists. And, um, Interesting. You know, I, I would have been very curious to see what this land looked like 150 years ago. Um, hmm. You know, before the predators were were removed. So the, you know, the, the megafauna. With the buffalo. I don't know if it ever had buffalo. Um, it could have. I don't know. Um, okay. But you know, there there definitely there's antelope out there. So there definitely would have been either like mountain lions or wolves. Probably wolves. Yeah. I mean, the American settlers have um, pretty thoroughly killed the, the wolves everywhere. This is the early history, I think, of Yosemite and all sort of the Western parks where they immediately just, that's, they tried to kill all the predators right away. Right. They went and tried to kill all the wolves. And because the people who would be visiting wanted to see beautiful animals. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't want to see the state of nature at play kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and it, Don't want to worry about their children getting eaten. <laughs> and, and not just like for modern day tourists, you know, like, say in the 1800s or early 1900s like wolves were a threat like it it wasn't just you know like they might go after your kids right um so it's sort of understandable but it's a very um twisted relationship with nature there because the wolves were serving an important purpose of keeping the grazing and browsing populations in check so then when they're gone the uh you know, deer are extremely invasive a lot of places. Or, well, maybe invasive isn't even the right word, but they no longer have the predators, right? Um, yeah. Uh, they can turn into a pest. Oh, I've yeah. seen it up in my folks' oh, yeah. house. They did open season on deer a few years ago. You didn't even need a tag. It was amazing. Yeah, um, because they'll eat. The, they'll eat. They, 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 they just decimated the all the farm fields. Yeah. Yeah, all the farm fields, all the alfalfa that goes to cattle, it was just getting demolished by deer. Yeah. <laughs> they were everywhere. Um, so, so I can definitely Well, and, and it's funny, uh, hunters um, now play the role that wolves used to play, you know, ecologically. And it's, you know, not perfect, but... Um, you're right. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So, Mike, quickly, just back to politics one time here. I know, I know you're not happy at all disgusted with the the democratic nominee here uh, yeah but let us say you are a resident of the state of pennsylvania and on election day it was absolutely tied two million votes to two million votes and whoever won pennsylvania won and they said oops we forgot this one guy's ballot needs to be counted do you do you rip it up and say fuck it take it to the house <laughs> damn you're creating a very specific hypothetical like you, well, I thought it was usually you know, the hypothetical is just like, what if you live in a swing state? Now you're saying, what if my one vote actually well, no, determines I mean, it is which for, shit for sandwich all the Bernie, we eat? 
<laughs> for all the for all the Bernie people who say I'm never voting for for Biden, I'm not participating. Like it's easy if I'm just saying you yeah. can you can I say mean, that without any fear of but yeah. You can say that with any fear of your affecting the election any in any way. I think there's even also, if it's you and twenty thousand of your friends. I think there's also sort of a there's a value to following through on that, like in swing states, in, in the sense that um, the Democratic Party has just taken the left's vote for granted, right? Constantly compromising with the right, but not, not willing to, like, what is, I mean, Joe Biden's a piece of shit. Like, honestly, like, I can't even think of, it's hard for me to even think of ways that he's better than Trump. Like, he's not, he doesn't encourage hate crimes, and that, that's pretty big. But in terms of actual policies, in terms of what he actually wants to do with the power of the office, like, I, I just, I don't see that much of a difference. Um, and I think there is a sort of a value in um, following through, like in a swing state. Um, so the Democratic Party can't just take the left's votes for granted in the future. Um, right. I mean, I guess in that specific hypothetical, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate it. I'm very proud of myself for this question, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah. because in, in general, it's like if you offer me two different food items that are both going to make me sick, I might just choose to not eat. Right? <laughs> but That's a good a analogy. Good scenario. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah, and I have, I, have, I have such a problem with the framing of that as the binary like that is the decision that like, well, there, there, there's there was probably an out there's probably like a green party candidate where you can say you know i'm voting for the best candidate I'm, it's not that i'm not voting or yeah. something i don't know but um who is your guy bernie uh yeah but i okay. I, I will say I'll, I'll i'll say that i am compromising by supporting Bernie. Like, I, I don't, um, I don't agree with him on everything. I don't think he goes far enough on a lot of things. Um, I don't, I don't really think that positive change comes from the office of the president, but seeing how there is going to be a president, um, you know, having someone who's, you know, a, a, a genuinely decent person, genuinely cares about people and is trying to um, make positive change and has a record of doing it for decades. So, you know, he's not full of shit like yeah. every other politician, you know, even people that don't like him, like, uh, even people that don't like him believe that what, that he means what he says, you know, right. Yeah. Most politicians don't have that. Yeah. Honest. He's, he's high character on the honesty thing for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that I post about, like, regardless of circumstances, I just, <clears throat> Biden, his mind is already so mushy to watch that for four years. Like, I literally can, will never watch the news just because it'll be cringy, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, it will be. It'll be hard to watch. I mean, it's already, yeah, okay. he's already been hard to watch. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the uh, was like eighty percent of you. I mean, you got to be kind of excited with how, not that it's like unanimous, but it's clearly the uh, 
you millennials are definitely going to be swinging the political center to the left pretty aggressively. I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the, the AOC types are going to be, you know, this isn't the fringes. This is the future, right? Yeah, but there's not going to be much of a planet left by then. Um, okay. And uh, I am, uh, how much should I self-censor here? No, this is good. I I feel exactly the same way in the, in that uh, the path we're on is completely unsustainable. Right. And uh, and I, but how do you change seven billion people? You know, how do you? You don't change. I seven go down to billion. South America, and they don't even have a trash system in some countries. You know, it's like. But, but they're not the problem. They're not the problem because there's such a uh, lower footprint they have. You know. Um, you don't change in comparison to the world. They're not They're Even what they're doing is, is well, they, yeah, the, the carbon fruit, you know, because they're, they're not knocking all their trees down for grazing land or, you know, have a right. And, and even ripping everything out of the earth. Yeah. A lot of these you you, know, more primitive. You don't change like. 7 billion people. You change the hundred companies that are responsible for 70% of fossil fuel emissions or for carbon emissions. Mm. Um, okay. If the U S military was its own country, it would be something like the 50th biggest polluter in the world. Um, you know, huh. more than Portugal, for instance, right? Like more than the military itself. Um, it's, it's, it's basically impossible to um, consume resources at a sustainable rate as an American if you take a one 330 millionth share of the military's uh, uh, the consumption of resources and generation of waste. Hmm. Um, okay, can you say that, but say it a different way. So basically you're saying that as a citizen, there are 330 million people in America. Mm -hmm. Being one of those, you use less than that equivalent of the military? So uh, I got it. So I was playing, and this is an environmental studies class. There's a little simulator, like how much, how, uh, how, it measured in like how many planets you would need to support your lifestyle and you put in how much you eat of what and how much you drive and what you live in and you know what kind of um you know how much electricity you use you give it all those inputs right and you yeah. also put what country you live in so if you you know if you live in the woods eat nothing but leaves don't use electricity you know don't consume anything but you are you're a U.S. citizen. It automatically says that you need 2.7 planets to support your lifestyle sustainably. Huh. Um, just just because it gives you and we're, and we're not in the woods eating leaves. So no, yeah. no. So there's yeah, also your personal choices on top of that. But um, but that's why I say like changing the personal choices. One like it's harder to do, but also. Um, it's not enough unless you actually change um, the you know, power structures and the, the, the habits of the wealthy and powerful, um, basically. What do you think is the most sustainable force uh, or um, source of uh, power? Nuclear or like? I mean, might depend on your location, but solar, solar's damn good. Okay. Um, Wind? I, yeah, yeah, wind is good. Um, I am actually an advocate of use of nuclear in uh, specific circumstances. Um, but okay. I have 
I have major problems with the way uh, nuclear has been used and also um, You've been watching The Simpsons for so many years, you're imagining Homer there pressing buttons. But that's not that much of a fantasy. Like the Nuclear Regulatory Commission um, has been pretty lax, where it's a situation where like the smallest fuck up is completely unacceptable. So I like, I, I, I think it has to be, the safety regulations have to be much more um, certain. Um, but then there's also the issue that like it takes a long time to build a nuclear facility and it takes it's at this point just more expensive than wind, water, solar. Um, okay. Right. Which, you know, I kind of hate that. Um, I, I hate that the financial issue is actually what, uh, what shapes the decision because like, you know, physics and chemistry and biology are real. Right. Um, the economy is made up, right? Yeah. So the fact that one thing costs more money than another, like sometimes that actually represents physical resources and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but uh, so as much as I think that nuclear could have been a good option, I don't really think it is anymore. But I do wish that the anti-nuclear movement had been an anti-coal movement instead. Yeah. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Although I guess the anti-nuclear movement had a lot to do with nuclear weapons, particularly. So um, that that's good. <laughs> but right. Um, I was uh, last year. I, I read a couple. <clears throat> sorry, guys. Um, last year I read a couple of books on like I like any any book which which has doomsday scenarios. And of course, with the environmental thinking, I forget I forget the name of the book I read. One of them basically said all I would need need we, the te temperature of the Earth's gone up one degree. And if it goes up like another two degrees, life as we know it will be in peril. And like we're headed to like literally within a hundred years. Is that, I don't know if you want to give an overall <laughs> level of pessimism. Yeah. And that's like a fair I way mean, to put life it. Life as we know it. Um, and that's actually, uh, you asked a, a question earlier about if this pandemic is like a training run for future pandemics. Um, it could be a, tr a training run for climate change. Like we're going to see disaster on this type of scale. And I mean, the, the answer isn't going to be to socially distance in that case. Um, but, so, but climate change will also bring more novel pathogens. Um, and it'll, you know, like it'll kill the bees, but the mosquitoes will love it. You know? Um, yeah. Okay. So there's, yeah, so there's going to be disease dangers involved as well. Um, and, you know, this year we might be looking at, at food shortages because a lot of, uh, um, a lot of farming is going to be so set back. Um, right. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. And that's, and that's a problem that's just going to get worse and worse every year with climate change because there'll just be fewer yields. Um, and well, climate change isn't the only issue. It's also unsustainable, uh, you know, short-term thinking agriculture rather than approaches like permaculture. Um, this pandemic is—is is it not stretching to the the whole world though? I haven't. Is is Africa um, somehow uh, unaffected? Or? Africa, yeah, uh, Africa is definitely affected. I haven't looked at it. It's weird when. Uh, 
information changes so rapidly that it almost feels like absurd to use the, the numbers I saw two days ago. Right. Um, <laughs> so I can't tell you how bad it is, but it definitely has reached Africa. Like no, nowhere in the world is completely safe. Um, what um, did, how did China make out in all this? Someone told me that um, they don't have any new cases or something. How's that? They just put them all on lockdown as soon as they found out. Well, the information, we don't, we might have incomplete information there. We, we but. definitely do with anything regarding China because I don't really agree. I don't really believe in uh, China's state media, but I also don't believe Western media talking about China because they're always trying to paint them with a certain brush. Yeah. I, I went to China a couple of years ago for like two weeks and I found that instantly. They, their government is really, um, stringent on what they let out and the information they let out they, you you don't have uh google in uh you don't have oh, facebook wow. in china yeah. uh because they don't share their information so google's almost like a data mining service if you think about it um and that information that they get they keep to themselves that's okay to use in america it's not okay to use in china um so they don't allow it if you want to get on google you got to have a vpn uh to make it look like you're logging on in some other country and not China, and then you can access it. And that's probably highly illegal. Well, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, yeah, you can't be found with that. <laughs> well, M Mike's point about uh, the pandemic leading to, doesn't have, doesn't have to lead to positive, positive change. It could be like the police state. I mean, isn't, aren't the, uh, the totalitarian states, let's be honest, more able to deal with a pandemic. I don't know. Well, Totalitarians separated uh, people really fast there. Totalitarians uh, a loaded word there. Um, one country that's been extremely successful. Authoritarian, I should say. Well, it's also it's still a loaded word. How do you like one uh, one country that's been extremely effective is Vietnam, uh, and you might call their you might call their government or you might call their response authoritarian, but I don't think it's any more authoritarian than what's been going on here. Um, hmm. So, I mean, it's a, it's a loaded word and I, I, I wouldn't, but, but yeah, it is, it is kind of a situ situation where it, it, it demands a, um, a highly coordinated response, which is difficult to do without, um, Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we just talk about the test run, like in the future, not that I want a tyrant, but if I'm following the rules and staying inside and there's some asshole who's walking around and, you know, walking around the beach and coughing on my doorknob, I want the cops to get the fucker out of there. And so maybe I'll be part of the problem in the solution, Mike, but it is, to, you know, I'm just pointing out that if the state is taking a more active role, that's partly, a, it could be a practical response. I don't know. Yeah, and I it sort of makes me challenge uh, my beliefs a little bit because I definitely fall in the uh, you know left libertarian quadrant. Um, right. But this seems to be a case where it's like I don't I don't know what a more um, you know libertarian response would be. Right, a less authoritarian response. I don't know how it could be effective. Um, uh, <clears throat> have you considered following my advice and getting your own podcast going there talking about politics? Is this, is this fun for you? I don't know. I, I, I like it. I guess I'd, <laughs> I'd probably have to buy a microphone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
first investment. That'd be hard to do because I can't go outside. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I think you live a semi-Spartan life, anyways, especially with the big score in November. I'm I'm guessing you're not like scrambling for money now, or I, I, is that are you playing? Are you grinding online a lot, just trying to make up for possible future expenses that you're not going to have? Oh, punting online. Yeah. <laughs> online. Okay. Playing ACR. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what um have those have those fields become like exploded in size because of the uh oh yeah and there's way more tournaments too oh yeah okay uh, okay yeah there's way could i guess swinging back to poker here could that lead to a greater push for online poker you think where it could finally be we'll finally have poker stars back oh yeah i don't know um Seems silly to talk about, but you know, in the Twitterverse, this is something all the, a lot of the poker players are saying. This will be the result. Yeah, um, I I wasn't involved in poker when it got taken away, so it's kind of like right. yeah, the only I'm the, well, I'm the same way. Well, I mean, yeah. I played I played on Poker Stars in like 2004, 2005, 2005, I think, um, for like a couple years. But I had completely uh, I I. I wasn't playing any poker at all from, you know, let's say 2007 to like 2011, I think. Um, would that be your dream relationship with poker? I'm assuming. I think a lot of us would like this. Like every two years you get a nice score and then you don't have to, you don't have to play your hand if you don't want to for another, for another year. Um, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are you in the stock market at all? Uh, no. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Oh, gee, Steve, we averted a disaster there. <laughs> Asking him for investment ideas. Just, thank God. Let me quickly um, stop. The yeah, one day yeah, you were actually, twitching. I have an investment. I buy buy um, land in the desert with no life supporting structure on it. You know, <laughs> just nothing but sand and cactus. Yeah, buy <laughs> buy sand and cactus. Oh, that's great. <laughs> there's there's a little moisture in the middle of that cactus, right? Isn't that what we learned? They... That's true. <laughs> that, that's true. No, I was going to ask you about um, chess. Yeah. Was that something your your love for it is reinvigorated, or is this just too much time at home? Or you you were talking about, um, I don't know if you've done it yet, twitching, you playing chess. Yeah, yeah I've, done, I've, I've done a couple. Um, not like, I don't have an audience, and, uh, you know, I don't have, uh, my computer's too slow, so... That's that's one issue in terms of doing it seriously, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I transitioned from chess to poker. I was um, you know, an a right. average tournament player as a kid. I was, I was good. I mean, if I I, I quit when I was fifteen, uh, if I hadn't, I would probably be a grandmaster by now, um, or yes. well by ten years ago. Um, uh, but I, well, I was talking before you came on. It was impressive as hell what I saw when you were playing Dylan and. I, I don't remember who Alex. the yeah <laughs> Dylan and Alex together who could either one could easily beat me and you were playing two games at the same time yeah against both of them timed I was like oh my god oh you've seen you, that was impressive you've seen nothing you've seen nothing yet uh there's that there, that, that was just a dusting of what uh you're well, capable of. no not what I'm capable of but what people are capable of you know there's there's people that play um multiple games while blindfolded and they beat everyone. Oh my god! Um, Is someone just saying the move, Bishop? Yeah. B four or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I I can play. 
uh, a blindfold game. I've never tried to play more than one at once. Wow. Well, Jer, I mean, I'd be curious. I don't know if this would be something to go into. I wonder if these kids are the chess prodigy. Maybe this is watching Searching for Bobby Fischer. I don't know. If you're to, to, at that level, aren't you, weren't you like at age 13, like dreaming about poker hands and scenarios? I mean, how much doesn't it occupy just a shitload of your mental space to be like elite? It, it, it does. And that's like, I would, I would dream about chess, right? Um, wow. Yeah. It, well, I think actually thinking about it would kind of help me fall asleep. Would kind of like, you know, trying to visualize something. Uh, like visualize moves on a board would kind of help me fall asleep. Um, okay. But but yeah, I mean that that that's why I that's why I quit completely rather than just like not playing. Um, you know, rather than just like scaling back or whatever. It's kind of why I quit completely just to remove that from. You know, I didn't look at a board for you know two or three years, um, <laughs> and then I guess actually. After getting back into poker, or well, after getting into poker for the first time, playing online when I was like 17, um, I guess shortly after turning 18, I uh, started playing a little chess again and then um, played, played an actual live tournament. And uh, my round one opponent offered me a job at a chess club, um, <laughs> which was, was pretty cool. That's flattering. Yeah. Oh, do you cool. think, do you ever think, do you ever, um, I don't know how often are you like big in, I don't know if you're big into like Flopzilla and the solvers and tweaking your range for every specific spot. Are you, are you kind of mentally as rigorous with poker? Is, I'm really I, not. I don't think, you don't think you don't have to be to, to win at poker, right? No, well, I'm really not. And I feel like uh, I, I could be better if I put the effort in, but um I guess I'm just pretty mentally lazy. I'm kind of <laughs> okay. I don't know about that. It, have you ever taken an IQ test, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I, it said that a random. Okay, okay. You know the you know the number, right? Okay, don't say it. No, 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 no. Well, I took like a goofy online one, and it said that a random number generator would beat me. <laughs> a spoof one? Oh, okay. I was curious what it was. I think I, 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 I won't give the number. There's one night though, Alex was like dr drunk at my place and I was, you know, I, I was being a bitch about something and he was just basically saying, do you know how, how, high my, how high my IQ is? And he told me, and he's like, listen, you just, there's nothing you know that I don't know or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, I, I, probably right. As soon as you brought that up, I'm like, I don't really believe in IQ. I kind of think it's a bullshit metric for people to feel superior. To feel important. I, I guess what it, I, I guess what I would say is it, it's a way of um, sort of valuing certain aptitudes over others. Um, okay. And you know what, what what like what what mental traits we might value today would have been very different than a hundred years ago, and probably different from a hundred years from now. Uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. 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 So what are your, um, do you, what are your, are you at all upset the World Series of Poker is not happening? I mean, other than, I mean, you do get to go out and say hi to a few friends maybe you don't see. Yeah, I, I would have, I, I was planning to play it. Right. Yeah, me too. Me too. It, uh... 
I'm still kind of bummed about that. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, it'll be back next year. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I just want the IQ thing, though. Mike, I don't know. Is this, is this, are you kind of, uh, because of your egalitarian instincts here, you're trying to, even in a socialist paradise, you, you're, there's going to be a division of labor. You need the, the big brainy guys to uh, do some engineering, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah, you need, you need uh, people with different skills doing different things. Okay. Um, so who decides who has these skills? See, I'm trying and to push. What but metric? He, what metric do we use to decide that? <laughs> I'm trying to show him that there will be author, authoritarianism from the other direction as well. You know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, we're too abstract here to. Yeah. How would you describe your politics? Will you be like agrarian socialist? It's more like it's not just about I mean, like I, taking I, I call, the, the means of production. It's about getting rid of all that shit. Right. I mean, I, I I call myself an anarchist. Um, okay. Or I. Sometimes I hesitate to use the term uh, because I feel like there's sort of because uh, I feel like maybe my actual life doesn't really live up to my beliefs. Um, right. But uh, you know, recently fond of uh, the the uh, social ecologist um, way of thinking. Um, so, are you going to be moving to the front lines here? <laughs> you just you just posted a meme on uh, a Facebook of the, the one with Homer Simpson going to the bush with a Bernie sign and then coming back out with like some black anarchist garb. Yeah, well, you already got the mask. <laughs> right, right. That's true. <laughs> um, but like, but like the Antifa stuff, or you know what I mean? I don't, you know, I, I guess you're not. Yeah, we should all be anti-fascist. Okay, right. Okay. Well, I mean. I just, you know, I guess you don't want to actually announce on a podcast that you will soon be throwing bricks through windows. So. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want to say that. I mean, oh, <laughs> I mean, like that fucking the FBI is heading out to the desert right now, Mike. I'm sorry, I apologize for that. <laughs> investigate what's going on out there. Yeah. Okay, Steve, uh, should we talk about a poker hand here? I, I, I got one Mike, lined there, up. If uh, Mike, is there anything else you, uh, you kind of want to? I don't know. I'm, I'm letting you steer. Okay. At, uh, this one is an uh, um, online hand. We're playing uh, 50 cents a dollar. It's a cash game. Um, and we are on the button. Um, it folds to us. Uh, we have a stack of 40, we have a stack of 50 bucks. Uh, small blind has 57, big blind has 87. Uh, and we have seven, eight of clubs. Are you guys stealing this hand or are you just folding it or? This is a six max or a, a full table? Full table. Uh, folds to us on the button. Yeah, eight, seven of clubs. Yeah, I'm opening. Okay. Uh, sizing at a at a fifty cent dollar table. I'm honest. I'm not. I'm not that technical. Like I don't really play online cash games. But uh, I mean, so I, I I honestly don't have too strong an opinion. Like this is a cash game, not a tournament. So, um, you know, I I usually play live cash games where it's like three x or even four x, right? Uh, okay. So, Probably something like 2.5 is better. 
2.2, whatever. I, I, I don't have too strong an opinion about the sizing. Okay. All right. Uh, I do four. Four. Uh, uh, so four I go X. four X. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I make it four small blind folds and the big blind calls. Uh, I haven't played with this guy before. He's unknown. Um, so um, just recently sat at the table. I don't, I don't have any reads. Um, okay. So uh, unknown calls in the big blind. We got uh, eight and a half bucks in the pot. And with eight, seven of clubs, <clears throat> the flop is the nine of clubs, four of diamonds, three of diamonds. Uh, I'm sorry. What, what's the effective stacks again, Steve? Uh, forty. Well, with eight and a half bucks in the pot, effective stacks are forty. We'll call it forty-seven. It's forty-six eighty. About forty-seven bucks. Uh, so with eight, seven of clubs, we get nine of clubs, four of diamonds, three of diamonds, and big blind checks. Any reason not to check behind? Oh, yeah, because you want to win the pot. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you almost <laughs> definitely want to bet. Um, oh, okay. Well, you got all sorts of back doors, Steve. I mean, like almost half the deck will give you more outs in the turn for, for straight or uh, flush. Okay. I, I was of the mind that this hits his range more than it hits mine, but well, maybe I'm off. Except that... So opening 4X, I feel like, makes it kind of weird because it's it, it, in theory, makes both ranges a lot, of str a lot stronger. Right? Yeah. Um, but... Your range is supposed to have aces, kings, queens, jacks, tens, right? You're supposed to just yeah. have over pairs where he's not really. Um, now, maybe the fact that you made such a large preflop raise and he called it means that he's, I don't know, maybe his jacks or tens that he would normally three bet he just called. Um, well, yeah, I don't know if that really makes sense either. But uh, he probably does have a quality starting hand. Um, but that could be like Queen Jack suited, and it could just airball this flop. So I definitely yeah. think you want to bet something to get his auto folds. Um, yeah, okay. And I'm torn. So in tournaments, I'm usually using a 30% like, a size and a 70% size, something like that. And I'm actually kind of like one or the two, or do you mean 32, 70? One of the two. Interesting. Typically. Um, but I, I guess sometimes if I feel like I'm not sure which one I want to use, sometimes I go in between, sometimes I miscalculate, you know, but um, so I'm not, so in this case, like, I feel like you could consider betting, um, you know, three or 2.5, or you could bet like six. And, hmm. I think both kind of have merit. Um, but let's see. So your, your starting stack was 52? Uh, starting stack was uh, 51. 51, yeah. Uh, the, we got 47 now. The pot is eight and a half. Okay. So a little. He's got his cover. So, so SBR so. like 5.5. Mm -hmm. So I might. If I do check back here, I'm probably going to be. I've got a lot of, you know, over bets on the turn, maybe, or other, you got to have other ways to win here, Steve. I think again, or you're just going to be leaking money if you're opening buttons and just hoping hit flops. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think maybe the small flop bet with the intention of uh, a turn bomb 
uh, on on favorable turns. Okay. I was just going to say that's the uh, Andrew Brokos, I think, from, from his book, actually knowing anecdotally some hands that he's played. Like that's um, – he really loves that bet real small, like on flops, and then just 2x like pots on turns. Hmm. Yeah. Just so – because so for for that if you're do, if you're especially if you're going to be aggressive later in the street and try to put people for the test for their stacks for later in the hand you can probably bet small on flops. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess the reason I hesitated and I almost wanted to go with a bigger size is like, let's say he has like, I don't know, king queen with a back door or ace jack or pocket sixes like. Can you get those hands to fold with a large size? Probably not, though. You probably get them to fold by the small flop bet and then following up with a turn bet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it depends on the, you know, villain dependent here, too. Yeah. A lot of, play, a lot of players are just not going to thinking of back doors. They want to they pair or a big draw. So, for, you know, if that, if that kind of player, then you can just see bet small because they got so many auto folds. Well, I, I guess I'm like kind of trying to think GTO because I don't know the population. Right. Um, sure. But I think even so, you can say that like almost any population um, probably doesn't check raise the small bet often enough. Um, right. And so. You don't have to really worry too much about getting blown off your, blown off your and if you do you, you have eight high like you're not entitled to win the pot but you should try yeah okay okay you check, right. you check back steve what's that sounds like you check back the flop that's exactly what i did yeah at the, i guess i i was thinking this is his range more than mine um i think he should be shoving like nines plus there with a with an effective stack starting the hand at only 50 big blinds oh wow shoving no well if i open to four small blind folds it is a big um, open but i mean we got and what is it uh five and a half in the pot if he shoves nines plus there i mean he doesn't well, i don't know doesn't steve i don't to... think that you're thinking you're thinking tournament play here i think mostly maybe you're right i i don't think yeah i don't think this is and you uh, wouldn't be thinking that if this is a tournament with stacks this deep like right i think it, like if you want to get all in i think the way to do it is to like raise to 13 right now you're putting in like 25 percent of the effective stack right if your opponent fold uh, if your if your opponent jams you could have some hands that you do that with where you're folding and have some hands where you're calling okay okay all right um okay well i end up checking back um, I guess another part of it was, uh, we have to catch, I, I think almost runner runner, uh, to, to make our hand. We either got to get two pair, we got to get three, but kind we got to get a straight, uh, a flush, uh, maybe one pair is good if he's got something like uh, King queen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I, my, my thought at the time was this is his range more than mine and. And, uh, you're you're basically already in like oh let's 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 hit runner runner or straight flush and really teach this guy a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds. No, yeah, I think your thinking is just wrong here. You know, like okay. other than a tournament, you're you're not necessarily going to be depending on you're not going to want to be going three streets on the on the guy with with this. But I, I think this is a good flop to uh, to fire it. Anyways, what what was the turn card? 
Okay, uh, so eight, seven of clubs. The flop was nine of clubs, four of diamonds, three of diamonds. Uh, goes check, check. Uh, the turn is the seven of diamonds. Uh, so the board now is nine of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, three of diamonds. So we hit our pair of sevens. And villain into eight and a half uh, bets 566. Don't all speak at once now. Yeah, I feel like you got a call once, um, yeah. but I don't love it because I feel like uh, Villain is probably playing more suited hands from defending the big here. Um, okay. So, I like Villain shouldn't really be betting very often without a diamond in his hand. But I'm a little worried that if he's playing more suited hands than off-suit hands, that it's likely to be two diamonds. Um, and when I say shouldn't be betting without a diamond, like he's probably also betting a nine, right? But yeah. probably not betting hands that don't have like a pair or let's say the ace of diamonds, king of diamonds. Um, okay. And sure, like there, there all there are definitely ace x hands with the ace of diamonds he could have. Um, I, I I don't know if like, do you think he's three betting ace queen there? Do you think he's three betting ace jack, ace ten? Um, you know that question would determine how many of those hands exist. Do you think yeah. he's calling with like ace eight with a diamond? Pre. Um, Man, I don't know. This is just an unknown, you know. Well, and now, now, yeah, looking at this hand exploitively, Mike. Let's just say this was a live hand, um, and you, you you check back the you check back the flop, and you're facing this bet on the turn. Who would you? How would you play it versus the you know the fish versus the like the absolute crusher? Like on the one hand, in these spots for like the leadouts with the you know the the real good pros, I'm like, well, this is they got more bluffs in their range. This could be bullshit. On the other hand. Could be very, very costly to find out if they're bluffing or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I haven't really done much study in a while. And so okay. I'm kind of making it up in a lot of spots. But I think my general procedure is going to be to call once and fold most rivers. Um, okay. But I don't. I don't like being in this spot. Um, it's part of why I would have preferred to bet the flop. <laughs> bet the flop. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, because, well, because what other hands do you want to have when you call here? Um, you want to have hands like ace X with a diamond, right? Ace of diamonds X, right? Yeah. You want to have hands like king queen with a diamond. Um, you might want to have some sets. Um, Having made flushes when you call here, like sometimes, is pretty awesome. You know, yeah. if you like just every once in a while check back the nut flush draw on the flop or a flush draw. Um, and then just call on the turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, because okay. the, the reason I'm hesitant to call once and fold river is because I feel like, you know, that means your opponent can just automatically bet the river and. Will be will be winning by doing that, um, with any hand. Uh, so I'm trying I'm trying to think of a way that I, you know, so that I. I well, if they, what if there's a fourth diamond on the river and he checks to you? 
assuming you call here, is that are you probably checking back or or, or betting and turning it into a bluff? I'm just as we like if the if the board pairs, I think it's hard to fold to his river bet, right? Isn't that a little? Yes. So there, I'm just trying to think of it for river decisions, which, you know, what we're doing with our range there, depending on the flop. So like I would call here, but I would not be, again, this is probably aberrant thinking. I'm always like trying to come up with a way where how do I bet my way out of this problem? <laughs> but I think I would, um, yeah, depending on the bet size on the river, if it's like one of those little like kind of scared blocker bets. I mean, this is where if you're live, you can kind of get a, you can look at the player a little more, but um yeah, I would call not just because, not because just I have a pair, but I think um, there is possibly on that board a chance to steal it if he has, you know, 9x or something here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I... Is that, a, is, that a, is that a fishy way of thinking? Like, no, I, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I, 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 my instinct would have been like fourth diamond and any checks, just check back and hope you win sometimes. But, right. um, okay. but I mean, you might be right that you might you might win so seldomly there that you're better off bluffing. Right. Um, I don't know the answer. So Stevie, I'm guessing you called. I did call. Um, okay. okay. So we now have uh, almost $20 in the pot. We have 1982. Um, and with eight, seven of clubs, the river comes out the three of spades. So the final board is nine of clubs, seven of diamonds, four of diamonds, three of diamonds, three of spades and so we have a pair of sevens for second pair um and villain checks i mean that's i yeah i think it's always a check back yeah i but, but I, I don't see yeah i mean typical you're trying to get uh, there are probably a couple hands worse that we'll call it's, and it's zero possible. that are better that yeah so i mean i guess some people might go for super super thin value there but i don't it feels it feels too I, I was trying to find a bet because i don't want to be too nitty with a check back but um i guess it, so if, if you bet you're really trying to get called by ace high i i was thinking a pair of fours pocket sixes pocket fives how often do you think he has a pair of fours though I, I get the only thing I can come up with is Ace of Diamonds four. So there's three combos of that. Well, but you did open four X. Um, I think even Ace four offsuit can consider fold, fold. Fold, folding preflop. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's almost no worse sevens. Uh, I mean, uh, six, seven, five, seven. Everything else beats us. <laughs> well, um, it's how many sevens exist in the first place though, really like ace seven, um, eight, seven, six, seven, oh, eight, seven, six, seven, five, seven suited. That might be a stretch. Huh? Uh, well, could be, you know, can okay. we think, can we think of a hand that beats us that he would fold? He's never folding a nine, right? He's not he's not folding two black tens here. Or something well, you know, I guess it depends. Like if you want, if you want to shove, if you want to overbet shove, maybe he'll fold a nine. Right. But right. um, you know. 
Build up that fear equity even even after you get snapped off, Steve. <laughs> I would. Uh, I think we're both on team check back. It sounds like. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, okay. I I went for thin value into twenty bucks. I bet like twenty five percent pot. I bet five fifty. Okay. Um. Yeah. Now that we run through this, though, I I think you're right. There's just like almost no fours in his range uh, five four suited maybe and you're probably right ace uh, four well there's three combos of ace four suited that he could have but that's kind of thin heard me say this steve a lot on the podcast i think which is my own probably fishy way of making stupid river bets but i always say there's merit in just not having your opponent get to see your hand like he we agree he's got nothing just to miss the diamond draw so often here um, so we're not really trying to get him off anything, but he just, we're throwing out a little bet here and he doesn't get to see our hand. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that's, that's fishy thinking, but I, oh, I, it, I like it, it totally is, but I do it too. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially. I like, I, I, I don't like people seeing my hands. Yeah. You know? But you know what? I also don't like seeing other people's hands. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just win it. <laughs> never know. Just move on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Right on. Well, I throw up 550. Uh, villain takes a little bit and calls. And uh, he has uh, pocket tens, no diamond. Okay. So that okay. surprised me. I thought for sure that'd be a three. I wasn't even putting that in his range. Um, well, and I think, again, maybe I'm talking too much about this, but I think that your 4X sizing is going to get people to uh, kind of strengthen and condense the range. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, the three bets will probably be even more polarized. Yeah. And uh, a hand like tens, which is probably usually three betting, um, uh, decides not to. Yeah. If I make it 250 or three bucks there, he's three betting me, and then I can fold the eight high before we even see a flop. Yeah. Okay. And of course, here's where you can take a little note on the player, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, in the future here, especially if, uh, you know, if he's not if he's someone who doesn't bet for thin value in pot control mode. Or I, I mean, actually, I don't dislike how that guy played it, though. I don't either, I don't because think. if you had, um, if you had like ace of diamonds, queen, right, um, you're probably not going to call the river, but you might bet it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess this would be GTO. This is, I feel like a lot of times I'm like, well, this has, to, I have to three bet here. Um, I mean, in a, in a, in a tournament, Mike, against a, a guy who's opening a high amount of but buttons, is this a 100% three bet or are you flatting sometimes too? Um, From the button open. At this stack depth? Uh, I guess it's kind, it's kind of too much to too much of an abstract question. No, no, no. I mean, at this at this stack depth, I don't mind flatting. Um, okay. I mean, I would definitely lean towards three bet, but there could be. I feel like in in a live tournament, I might find more reasons to to deviate from the normal three bet. Um, you can see him. You can talk to him. You can watch him. See how they react. Yeah, because like for fifty big blinds, like it's not great if they just shove on you and you have tens. And you're like, well, I guess I call, and then you know they have ace queen suited, and <laughs> you're flipping. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I think you both played the hand okay, I guess. Well, we, we, no, I still like this. Definitely, I'd be C-betting there. Probably my in my full range, so. Okay. Yeah, and probably losing that more. But... Been... Now, yeah, basically, now you're betting Steve, the when you say, and... I think, my yeah, the 4X Open should tell you that there's no two pairs in his range. Yes. Like like the min the min click, you know, 2X, people might be calling with 80% of hands there. Then, you know, you can't take 3-4 out of their range kind of shit. But, um, yeah, I think at this spot, yeah, there's always, like you said, that you got to strengthen his range a little bit. But um, Okay. I don't know why you want to try to bully Mr. Pearson. We're doing one more hand here. Oh, we could. Or, or Mike, do you want? Do you need to get out of here? Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I I got time. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. This one we're playing. <clears throat> we're playing two four uh, online. Um, recently sat down. All unknowns. Uh, I don't usually play cash online, so I got notes on uh, tournament players. But cash games, not so much. Um, Let's see, small blind, $2, big blind, $4. Um, comes to the first player. Uh, he raises to 12. Uh, next player calls. First player on UTG1 has got 100 and, what would that be, 156. Uh, he raises to 12. Uh, next player with a stack of a grand calls 12. Uh, and we're in the hijack with pocket queens. Okay. What, what's our stack? Our stack is two fifty, uh, three hundred. Okay. Uh, so what, um, what, what sizing do you like here? I mean, you're never calling, right? You're always, you're always three betting. Yes, I think so. Um, so, under the gun has forty big blinds. So, if you get it in and he just has aces or kings, I think you just have to live with it. Um, mm -hmm. So, I'm trying to think of a uh, see. I like to make three bets to sizes where your opponent doesn't know if you're going to call or not when they jam. And, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what. What's, what that size might be in this case. Um, 12 big blinds maybe, or is that a little too big? Huh? I was thinking like 12 bigs. Steve said he had. Yeah. The, I'm sorry. The prop Steve, Steve, has, Steve has 60. They're, they're like 60 bigs effective. I don't know if you want to make it to like Steve had a 250 bucks. So. No, no I got no, 250 no. behind no, but, now. But I UTG, UTG has less. UTG has like 40 bigs. Okay. okay. Which is why I was leaning more towards like 10 bigs. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, forty bucks. Less less than a third of his stack for sure is what we're aiming for here. If we want to get him to shove his his full range, which we are ahead of for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like a quarter seems like a reasonable percentage of his stack. I was just kind of going back and forth, and, and <laughs> this is way more thinking than I would actually do in game. But like, um, I'm trying to decide whether I want to basically play against his stack or play our stack against the flat caller but i think okay yeah i like that you know yeah. more likely we're we're targeting utg here so so if we were 1k effective with the flatter would that increase the chances of or decrease that you're 
I mean, I guess you're always three betting. Doesn't regardless of of stack size here, but yeah. If you're if if you were deeper, you're more you're more looking at the uh, you, you don't really care what the original razor does. It's you're yeah yeah that would be more of the focus. I might go might go a little bigger just to not give him not make it too easy for him to call. But I mean, I kind of want to call. Um, and if he does right. do some kind of back raise, like um, being deeper, you'd have more more room to get away from it. Sure. Yeah. So, Steve, what was your sizing here? I went fifty-one dollars. Uh, so it um, sounds like you hit the pot button. No, no there is. Uh, okay. What? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, three hundred no, behind. Be That'd be fifty, sorry. I think. Yeah. 54. So it was 12 and 12 in front 12 of 12 and 12 and then I made it 51. Okay. Sounds I think I like that. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh then we have another uh unknown. Now, I sat down in the first caller of $12 had just sat down cuz doing the math on these stacks, I sat down with exactly 300 and he sat down with exactly a grand. This must be the first hand that we're um that we're playing. Uh then an unknown shoves for 1051 <laughs> now remember the second caller also had a grand yeah wow uh so blinds fold uh the original opener folds uh, uh first caller folds and now it's back on us are we ever good here <laughs> i mean it sounds ridiculously strong but uh but it's also like, they why play, would you actually do that with Mason, <laughs> right? Um, is the guy wearing a shirt and tie, or is he some anarchist from the desert who really doesn't care about money in these these dark times? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like folding queens here. Um, I guess isn't that Ace King? I don't know if you. you you kind of ignore timing tells whether live or really, but I don't know if that could be a factor. Like if he's just insta jamming it in there, he's got ace king or jacks. But if he's taking some time, he's like, oh, what should I do with aces here? Yeah. I mean, it's way. I, I don't remember the time. It's. I don't remember how long. It, I'm not folding kings. Let's make that much clear. I'm not either. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I don't know. If, and I am folding jacks. So this is like the only hand. Me too. Where there's a discussion for, I think. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's it's pretty weird because that stack is only the effective size against the UTG1 flat, which, like, people do flat aces and kings there. Um, mm. But it's like, if he has aces, I mean, I guess he could I guess he could do that play. I guess he could be like, well, I'll either get called yeah. or I won't, right? Yeah, um, make him... And deliberately do the like insta shove. Yeah. Like, oh well, he's got ace king. Like, try to turn it into like you know level you with. The, if you have the if you have kings that. in that spot and you're jamming, like, aren't you a little worried that like UTG one is going to call you with aces and fold literally everything else? Right. Um, right. If you have ace king, then it kind of makes more sense. In, in like, okay, I'm a little less worried about running into aces and kings, and I could just get folds from pairs. Right. Yeah. Um, Again, talking about stat. I think if I had like four hundred, I fold. But like two fifty. I mean, I guess it's still, you know, it's not nothing. It's a three hundred, right? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, three hundred. Yeah, but he, he already has fifty one so on the pot. So yeah, and he did put fifty one in. Um. 
I mean, we could actually do the math on like what uh, what equity you need to. Yeah, what call. range we think he has? I, I mean, I don't know. Does does he ever have? So it's it's, it's two hundred fifty to call, and there's uh, let's see, um, one hundred thirty. Yeah, thought I could do this in my head. Uh, one hundred thirty-two uh, on. dead in the pot, and it's two fifty. Eighty-one plus eighty-one plus fifty-one. Uh, one thirty-two. Is that what you said? One thirty-two. Yeah. Okay, I got the same number. Okay. Two fifty to call with one thirty-two in the pot, so it's like two fifty divided by six thirty-two, whatever rate, whatever equity that is. Oh, I don't know where you're getting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't think I can do it in my head, but it's like. But 40, it's probably like 40, 40% equity. Right. So 40% is. So if, he, if he has jacks and ace kings in his range, it's an easy call. Well, if he has jacks, it's an easy call. Uh, 40%, I'm pretty sure, is what, what you have if the range is specifically aces, kings, ace, king. Hmm. Yeah. So if you put. I mean, if he has even Correct like. Ace, like it's about 40, though, right? Okay, well, let's see. We got 250 uh, behind in my stack, so that's 5632, uh, and then 250 divided by 632, right? 632, 39.5%. Pretty fucking good, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, you have your moments, Mike. Well, but I was actually okay. So talking about like what's the equity that your hand specifically has? Talking about not the hand, not the pot odds, but he's talking about the hand equity if he's. Kings plus. I don't know if I, I don't oh. even have a, a, a calculator for that handy. The one on my phone, I think, like, wants me to update my software. And I... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys have uh, 12 seconds to decide, like I did, <laughs> what do you think uh, you're doing here? I mean, Mike's already said that he's or... saying, fuck it, I call. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, what do you think? Um, oh, I was going to pull up my poker tracker on my, my laptop here, but it apparently needs a new license. Um, yeah, I'm going to call. Here's the other thing I always think. If, if this guy just has one hand, like just a couple combinations that are – because I, I would know like looking at it right away that it's probably just like a break-even call. Mm -hmm. that, that would be my first instinct. But then I'm like, you know, maybe this guy has is the one guy who's wigging out with 10-9 suited just because he's – yeah. Because he's online, and you just said you just sat down. Yeah, right. There is so there I, is the spaz factor. But if you just throw in, all you got to do is throw in. Especially if you just sat at the table, you don't know what this guy's been doing. I mean, maybe you do, but um, yeah. I mean, there's just times, too many times in tournaments where it's like, oh, this guy's range is just so strong here. It's kind of where you just see someone show up with something crazy. I'm like, uh, I did play a yeah, tournament yesterday where someone just three bet jammed six deuce offsuit on me. So, oh. Yeah. That's, um, that's always a okay. Classic. So your equity with queens against specifically aces kings ace king is thirty nine point eight two percent, and you wow. said that you need to have what thirty nine point thirty nine point five. So you have it anyway, um, and yeah. with a little bit of spaz factor, um, yeah, I guess you just call. Okay. Yeah, like Harrington said, even the old grandma that just plays the nuts always put a ten percent factor as a bluff in there. Um, okay. All right, I clicked fold, um, and uh, we don't know what the uh, shover had, but uh, the opener to 12 hat showed ace-king, and then the first caller had jack-10 suited. Uh, but we have no idea what the guy had that shoved. So seeing the ace-king that 
the first guy folded makes it less likely that the other guy had aces kings or ace king because yeah, this this software numbers. everybody can show their hand after the hand's over okay even though yeah. you were which is kind of kind of cool. uh, i hate so, it so i don't know <laughs> i don't like that fold I mean, you, um i don't think it's the worst yeah i mean it'd be nice to uh have a little if i was on a really really soft table in a tournament or something yeah with a couple of weak players on your right who you feel like you're gonna get their chips anyway that would be a, a determining factor, which would make this a fold for sure. Yeah. But. Uh, okay. All right. Cool. Okay, Steve, you're you're oh for one, and here fifty uh, percent. Okay, not bad, Steve. <laughs> Ronnie, do you get you 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 got a you got a D plus here. You're you're doing well. Yeah, I just no, moved up from uh, failing to uh, barely passing. Right on. Well, Mikey, oh. it was fun. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for yeah. being so uh, candid and honest. It's uh, it's good to hear that. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. It was fun. Get yeah. on. I don't know. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to try to get build up a little? Uh, let um, so the people, people know your Twitter address just in case you start doing a lot of twitching with the chest. Or maybe you build up a little uh, people, um, a little crowd likes to watch it. Well, just just a second, uh, Steve. I, I just wanted to say the fact that you saw an ace king fold. Um, even if the range of the, the shover is specifically aces, kings, ace, king, um, mm -hmm. your equity just went up. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. um, Mike, your question, uh, I don't know. I should make a new one. De definitely, definitely don't follow the Twitter account I have. Okay. Help, help, <laughs> help me make a new one. I, um, I agonize over like creating screen names, which, um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times that like I've started to like try to use some online service and it requires you to make a screen name. And I, sure. that just means I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> or I sit there for a half an hour trying to come up with one and then use one that I like already used on other websites and hate. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Are you just trying to come up with the perfect one that encapsulates what you're, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's so weird. Like, I don't know why I care, but um, you know, ever ever since like making my first uh, you know account on Internet Chess Club when I was like nine years old or something. Like, <laughs> my, my, did you? Uh, you don't regret Tahoe Wizard, do you? That's there's nothing wrong with that name. You are a Tahoe Wizard here, too. Fucking yeah, uh, it's, it's another it's, deep run. It's pretty cheesy. Blame Alex. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Alex did that because that's actually my new strategy. Is you know. When I need a screen name, just text people like, hey, I need someone to make a screen name for me. And Can I ask you what Alex is doing? Strange. He does not. Uh, he, he's ghosted me, which, I, you know, I get it. I know everyone oh, eventually. Why? So I'm uh, very curious. I don't know because I've, I've called him several times and texted him. He doesn't respond. Oh, so. weird. Um, is he, did he move back to San Francisco? He was teaching out here. He seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's in the Bay, staying with family. Um, keeping himself busy um i think i think good things on the horizon for him so okay i don't i don't really want to get into his details right but. that's a good cryptic response he probably said don't talk about me on the the podcast well, i don't i don't know what parts you're <laughs> editing out i don't know uh, no no that's that's fine yeah <laughs> is he a friend cool. of the podcast oh he's been on the podcast huh oh he's been on the podcast okay okay so he's yeah but times. yeah he's kind of he's 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 out of the loop he's there known he, he, to was a, he was a he was a he was a fob a friend of barton but, but 
or friend of friend of Rampage, F O R. Uh, never was. F O R. Yeah. yeah. He, he he he's off. He's off the uh, he's off the reservation here. Yeah. A little bit. So he's in the circle of trust. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right on well cool thank you mike thank you for coming on and um hopefully if we you know somehow if this crisis deepens we'll we'll get mike on and he can not hold back anymore at all yes yes <laughs> yeah um yeah uh when, when, when's when's it air oh it'll come out uh, monday cool yeah i look, look forward to it okay dude hopefully we'll see you uh world series in world series of poker in what mid-november would that be would that be interesting? That would be kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, so I get I get an invitation to the Global Casino Championship in August, but is that even happening? Oh yeah, that's got to be happening by then, doesn't it? And if know. not, I feel like they should give me ten thousand dollars, but I don't think they will. Right. Yeah, I think they should give me ten thousand dollars, and this is the first time I've heard of it. No, this yeah. is all the, you must know that this is a bracelet event and the competitors are all the people who are the, the casino champions from each individual circuit stop. So he, oh, gets, cool. he gets a seat into that bracelet event, which is a 10 K event. Uh, so he's sort of, that's 10 K that's 10 K of equity. He's already, he's, he's, he's earned or owed whatever. Oh, nice dude. Well done. That's cool. Right. But I'm, I'm worried that it might not actually happen. And then, and then, and then like, then you'll get stiff 10k. Do I just get stiff? Yeah, like I I don't know that they're like obligated to give it to me, right? Um, yeah. Technically, but they, yeah. They, they were going to give it to, to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're probably yeah. they should probably pay your way into the main event uh, next year, but I don't know. Oh, that'd be that'd cool. Be I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't yeah. even mention. We haven't talked to Mike in so long. We didn't even get it. He had a deep run in the main event last year, Steve. I don't know if you knew that. Oh yeah, what'd you get? Like 120 or something? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Congratulations. I consider that. I consider that a deep. No, it is. Tahoe, I just hesitated. The Tahoe wizard is a. It's a shrug. I hesitated because your listeners could use that to identify me. No, they can already. Oh. <laughs> well, oh. your name is going to be in the title, right? <laughs> Unless you want us to just put Mike. <laughs> no, I just hesitate with. Yeah. I. I. I Mike, you're going to be going underground with the blast black mask soon. Nobody's going to find you. You're going to be you. the one guy that's still alive after the. Well, if I am doing that, I don't want you know too many. Uh... Right. <laughs> People up appearances. <laughs> well, this is your fuck up, not mine, sir. You're out there. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. Right on. Okay, cool. dude. All right. You guys stay, stay safe. All right. Mike, thank you for coming on the show. You already Mikey, said that. thanks for joining me. And thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. I invested too much. I invested too much to quit. I made too many sacrifices to give up. If dreams were easy, everybody would make them happen. The problem is that most people, I watch most people, they like, they can't get up in the morning. They ain't got no energy. I'm walking through the airport running almost. I, most people that I'm with, they don't got the energy to keep up with me. I'm like, boo, ain't nothing wrong with you. You just ain't got the stamina. You just ain't got the energy. You can't smart everything. You can't outthink everything. You can't, some stuff is just, you gotta be powerful. It's just some stuff that you gotta have stamina for. It's just, you just too slow. It just take you too long. You wake up, take you three weeks to do what it can take two, 24 hours to do. It don't make you a bad person, but you're going to forever be average because to be great, you got to keep up. Some of you have sold your greatness and your destiny for a couple dollars. 
get to the next level because every time somebody draws something in front of your face, you give up. Take all your energy for the dream because you're going to need it. And so if the second thing I can teach you is for every dream you have, take at least a week or 30 days and write down every single thing that it's going to take to make it happen. And I want you to know something. After you write everything down, you still have not written everything down because you don't know what's going to happen. And so life normally breaks you because when it hits you, you wasn't ready. But if you're ready, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you stay ready and you stay plugged up, when you hear bad news, it don't break you because you're already energized. You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. You're not going to be the best. You're not gonna catch the best if you're not intentional and deliberate. And there are those of you in your, in your space and whatever you're trying to do, you don't even represent the best in your space and you're still not giving 120. You're trying to catch the guy. You're trying to catch the female. That's the best. And you're waking up and giving me 70%. You're giving me 80%. But yet you have these dreams that you're going to be the best. How? Stop telling me what you're going through. The greats go through. They get to it. They go through it. And the harder it is, the better. No alarm clock needed. My passion wakes me up. I got up at 3 o'clock this morning. No clock. I ain't used the clock in 20 years. My passion wakes me up. My drive wakes me up. My determination wakes me up. My ability to be, do, and have whatever I want, it wakes me up. What wakes you up? What drives you? Why are you playing this game? That dream that you have, that money that you want, if you're going to make it happen, you're going to have to be wired different. We're going to put in work because every time you put in work, you get the same consequences. You get paid. You get rewarded.